This is Five on Three, center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. What's up, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Five on Three, along with Nick Palmer and James Burley. I'm Colin Locker, and happy to be with you here talking about some Stanley Cup playoff hockey. Guys, how are you doing today? Good afternoon, Colin, James. Uh, I am. Um, we got mixed emotions coming into tonight. Certainly feels like a do or die because it is a do or do or die for the New York Islanders. Feels like things have been slipping away from the Rangers. Things are looking good in New Jersey. James walked in to the studio today with a big old smile on his face. James, I mean, I don't really have to ask, but how how are you feeling? Uh, you know, I'm feeling like. I've been reborn almost. Wow. Down down after games one and two, you should have seen me then. If we if we recorded after that, you should have seen me walking in the studio then. Put on after game two, went home immediately, put on the 2012 highlights, got emotional. Back in the driver's seat for Who game won the three. Cup? Who won the cup? The LA Kings did, and they deserved oh. it. I'll tell you that much. But right now, if we're talking about deserving it, the New Jersey Devils have deserved to claw their way back into this series, to claw their way back into my hearts, and... I'm very happy to be talking about hockey all, all, all throughout playoff hockey just because we're starting with you know what, what makes me love this game, and that's the New Jersey Devils. But throughout the entire NHL, it's been great. We have a fantastic show ahead of us. We'll be talking Rangers, Isles, of course, Isles and Canes, Rangers, and James's Devils battling it out. We'll also touch on the Kraken. We're on the verge of making some very important history, in my estimation. But to answer the question, guys... I am doing not too well today. I am out here in the fields. The problem is I'm not very happy in the fields as I work my back into my meals. I'm just not having it right now as the Rangers are basically imploding before my very eyes. I have not been on 5-3 and three since the summer. A summer in which I thought, oh my gosh, the cup is coming. The pieces are moving together. You took the lightning to the Eastern Conference Final. They lost in six games. But... The optimism was there. You go out into this season, you make a lot of things start happening, you get Patty Kane right before the deadline, you get Trocek in free agency, things come together beautifully. You go up 2-0 on the New Jersey Devils, take two in New Jersey, come back to the Garden, you lay an absolute egg. Akira Schmid has been fantastic, and to me, the events of last night said it all. They lose that one 4 to nothing. a shutout, 23 saves from Akira Schmid. Rangers just couldn't scrape together anything past that goaltender. Big goaltender at that, James, for the position. Awfully tall gentleman. What have you seen from your Devils has to be my question because I'm watching it from the angle of these guys can't put the puck in the net. You're watching it from, oh, my gosh, we're making this incredible comeback against the team that had our number for the first two games of the series. Yeah, it's shown a lot of growth, not just in playing better hockey, but the way that they've approached the games. In, in, in games one and two, they really were concerned with I thought playing playoff hockey, you know, the mantra of really digging in, fighting out for, for, for every every little battle, and they kind of lost a lot of the essence of what made the New Jersey Devils so good in the regular season, and I think going to the Garden desperate desperately to try to get back in the series, they changed their goaltender just to get a spark, and I think they changed the entire way that they played. We saw the Devils flying through the neutral zone, closing off the Rangers' chances. No gaps, really, for the Rangers to shoot at since Game 3. Everything, if you look at the heat map of the shots, is being forced to the outside. They're making their goaltender's life easier in front of him for the Devils, but when he's 
given called upon, he's answered every call more or less. He's given up two goals in three games since stepping into the uh, into the crease for New Jersey. And it's not just his six five stature that is imposing. It's his just calm presence. Seeing him in the locker room, he's one of the guy, first guys I ever got to hear from uh, as, as a beat reporter for the Devils just because he was in net that time. And he's just a very quiet guy. He stands there, sits still, does his job. And I think that's kind of the way he plays goaltender too. He's not the flashiest of saves, very positional, makes a lot of the Rangers' chances look probably better than they are. You think like, wow, how did they not score there? They're just hitting it right at him. Well, I think it's just because he's getting square up to the puck and he's doing his job. And his numbers speak for themselves. He's got, uh, per 60 minutes, the best sa- goal saved above expected in the NHL playoffs. He's really been that good. And it's not to say that the Rangers, I thought, were bad in a lot of Game 5. I think until probably about midway through the second period, they were toe-to-toe with the Devils. And then they and they just tore him apart after, I think it was after that power play where Hall scored and then they got the shorthanded. I think that, that was the icing on the cake. But to, to take away what the Rangers have done in Games 1 and 2, which they were dominant, and the special teams were dominant. The Devils took took off the handbrake, said, we got to get back to where we were good, and they've paid attention to the details. They've polished up the penalty kill, and they've got a great goaltender that they know they can rely on now. And now that the scoring's coming in, you got to say that this is a team you wouldn't want to play against in later rounds, but now we're expecting game six. I think we're going to see the Rangers' best game. Schmidt, a 9.76 save percentage, .63 goals against average. Nick, that game three performance from New Jersey in particular impressed me because it goes to overtime in a hostile environment at that time in the series anyone in the garden is thinking we have a chance to go up 3-0 we cannot let this one get away from us Dougie Hamilton beautiful shot to end that game oh yeah do you think that that was as important as I'm thinking it is going forward like did that kind of help the Devils flip the script in some ways it was big for the defense of New Jersey I think they, if if you asked anyone who needs the biggest sort of pump up before, you know, the Devils hit the ice, you would say, yeah, the defense need it. They need some confidence. And that's exactly what Dougie Hamilton did. Um, I think they have been incredibly competent over the last two games. As James said, they're cl- they're closing the shooting lanes. You look at those heat maps. I've, I've seen them as well. Akira Schmid as you mentioned, has just been so solid just fundamentally. There there are certain goaltenders who make the flashy saves, and then there are ones who are who don't, and people tend to view it as, oh, the goaltenders that make the flashy saves are the good ones. That's not Akira Schmidt's game, but that's just a testament to his positioning. His positioning is excellent. Uh, one goal in 46 shot attempts, that's not too bad in the last two games. Uh, I I expect him to do extremely well moving forward, and it's going to be tough for the Rangers if they want to catch this Devils team where it feels like everything's trending in the right direction. Have to give the Devils their flowers for sure. They played some great hockey. They've made the Rangers play their style of hockey, which was important coming into the series. Looking at the Rangers' power play just for a moment here, I have been massively disappointed by this power play unit. On an 0-for-13 skid at the moment, you have guys like Kreider, who looked like a world beater during the starting points of this series. Not anymore, but you got Kreider. You have Kane, Panarin, Fox, Evanagen. All these guys, we know what they can do. 0 for 13 is not going to cut it. They need to do much better in Game 6. Hope you get to a Game 7, which, by the way, I'm not bullish on their chances, James, if you have to go to a Game 7 at the Rock. Yeah, but you can't take away from the momentum swing of winning a game six like that. To go in front of your home crowd, should the Rangers force it to seven, 
I think that they they would be very confident going back into the Rock, knowing that they can say, hey, right. we pulled it back, we won a game, this is ours if we want it. And to talk about the power play, the special teams for the Rangers, you look at that first power play unit, the players that are on it, it should be producing what it was like in games one and two. And the Devils addressed the concerns of leaving Kreider wide open in front of the net. They still don't put too much attention on him. It's about closing the lanes in front of him because Kreider's not the guy who's facilitating the puck. He's waiting for it. He's just so lethal in front of the net that you can't give the other players like Adam Fox space to get the puck to the net. The Devils have not been giving guys like him any breathing room. Uh, in the neutral zone especially, I think there's been no rush chances. You can call it a trap if you want to, but the Devils are also out shooting the Rangers the other way. So to say that they're playing this attention defensively and going and doing it offensively too is a real testament to what this New Jersey team is capable of. And a lot of Ray Ferraro was saying this on the broadcast. He was most impressed with the Devils' speed just that as their best attribute, everyone says that it is, but their speed defensively to recover, to limit mm. rush chances the other way, to use uh, a third a third forward to come back and cover space for defensemen because they like to get extra guys forward. That's just one of their strengths. And the Rangers didn't have to deal with that in games one and two because the Devils just weren't paying that close attention to the gaps and the Rangers were. And I still think the Rangers have been doing that, but they've been getting caught strung out. You look at the game four goal, they all float towards the net and Jack Hughes, they forget about him. He has a breakaway. It's, it's the little things that the Devils have been taking chances when the Rangers haven't, too. You, the shorthanded goal, Mercer's goal, it's a bad bounce to Panera, and it comes off his knee. There's nothing he can do about it, but they go the other way, and the Devils score. Those bounces have been there for the Rangers, but meanwhile, Panarin shot Akira Schmid's glove and that out of his net. So it, it's, it's, it's puck luck is a part of it, but you earn luck, and it's the energy, it's the vibe of the series. Like I want to say that the Rangers, on paper— should be good enough to get us to have gotten a swing in momentum since game three. But it's been this steady, like pretty linear decline, I think, of the Devils, you know, playing the Rangers really evenly in game three and sneaking out an overtime win, then playing convincingly better in game four. And then game five was domination. So it, it, this has to be a big response from the Rangers because the trend is very bad. This is what playoff hockey does, folks. James Burley arguing on behalf of the Rangers and Colin Lochran arguing on behalf of the Devils. That's what I'm saying. To win man. this series. This is what happens. Wow, guys. During playoff season, Nick, what do you think is going to happen in this one? We got to have a tiebreaker one way or another. I'm known on this show for one thing. <laughs> Maybe one thing. Don't. Okay. Oh, I just want to know what you think it is. I'm, I'm known on this show for my wild predictions. There you go. Um, but weirdly specific one. So I'll give you my weirdly specific <laughs> prediction of how this series is going to end. It's going to end in seven games at the Rock. There we go. And it's going to be the first period. And the Rangers are going to have a five on three. And they're going to score twice on it. And it's going to be two nothing until the last five minutes of the game in which Jack Hughes will score a goal and Timo Meyer will score a goal. They'll go into double overtime, and it's going to be Eric Holla with the OT winner. I mean, I can't say I, mean, I don't like the sound of some of that, you know? I mean, how great of a game would that be? Yeah, I mean, be. Although I would be morbidly upset with the right, outcome, right. the game itself would be fantastic. So, you know, if you got your any parlays out there, maybe... Parlay it on, on the Palmer There's your twenty-leg Palmer parlay for the day. Before we move on from uh, from Devils Rangers, this this has just come to my attention in the in the media availability today when P 
Kane was asked about how did it feel to lose three straight. He said, maybe you want to win so bad that you're kind of waiting for it to happen instead of going and actually doing it. Mm. Do you think that that's been the mentality of the Rangers for these past three games? Because I think there's some truth to that. Like, I look at the third period of game five and I think, okay, maybe you can take that away. But the Rangers are a really good team and they've played like it for really long stretches of even the games that they've lost. Did, I think the Devils have been that good. Did the Rangers have a morning skate today or did they, they just. They did. They, they've they completely did reshuffled the lines. I have the lines for you. So the first line is Kreider, Zibanejad, Tarasenko. Kane, okay. Kane dropped to the second line with Trocek and Lafreniere. Panarin is playing with Heedle and Kako on the kid line. And then the fourth line has remained the same with VC Goudreau and, and Tyler Mott. And I imagine the defense pairings will be the same too. Um, and then, look. Laffy's not playing well, though. He's he, he, I, It'd be hard to look at the middle six and say that any of those guys have played particularly yeah. well right now. Yeah. I t- except for maybe Trocek. I've liked a lot of what Trocek's offered two ways, really. I, I think Trocek presents a good matchup against New Jersey for what mm-hmm. the Rangers are trying to get New Jersey to bait into. Especially on the second line because right. that's that's Hughes and Brat, And also, you really need to slow that down. Shout out Lindgren for putting in some heart into yes, the game. I yeah. feel like he's 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 flying under the radar. And Siegenthaler totally suckered him into a penalty because oh, yeah. that yeah. was a penalty on Siegenthaler. And I've loved the beef between Meyer and Shesterkin. I think we're going to yeah. think that that's going to culminate punches, into yeah. something. I think that's going to culminate into something bigger one day. It's going to be exciting. So we have Nick going Devils. I'm assuming you're going to pick Devils in seven. I had I had Devils in six before the series so started. So you're sticking to that one. I, I don't want to say anything before the series okay. is over, but I'm going to I'm gonna stick with my original projection because it's still in play, not because of my emotions towards either team. Before we do move on to the odds, as I know Nick is looking at shots well, what, What's your prediction? There, I'm, well, I'm not going to give a flat-out prediction, but I will give something that should basically tip you off to how I'm thinking about this. I've been away from this team for a while. I've covered the beat last year. But just from outsider's perspective reading, I do a lot of reading, as you guys both know. Of course. A lot of watching. This is not the same team, and people need to understand that last year was special. The whole no-quit-in-New-York mantra, that was last year's team because it was a bunch of kids that were wet behind the ears going up against teams with so much experience. Look at that first-round matchup. Latang, Crosby, you took them out. Second round, going up against the Canes team that wants to stifle you in the neutral zone 10 ways to Sunday. Took the defending champion Lightning to six games. That was the no-quit New York team. My concern when they ousted guys like Vetrano, Cop, didn't choose to bring them back, was that you're going to have a situation that's very star-infused and it's not homegrown. When you've got guys that have kind of grown up together, not to say that Vetrano and Cop grew up with that batch, but they were more akin to the guys that were there, right? Because you had people like Kreider, Kako, on the younger side that were more adaptable. Now you're bringing in someone like Trocek, played in the prior system, with Kane, has been a champion, been there, done that. This is more of a PR move for him, even though I love Patrick Kane's game and what he's done as a player. I just feel like this is a different team with a different feel to it, and I think Gerard Gallant's message is not going over as well because of that. It's a different team than it was last year. You should not expect the same magic that was in that building as last year. I'll leave it at that. As for the Isles, though, as I say this, like one of my co-hosts, Nick Palmer, is over there in an Isles jersey. He's ready to go because tonight day. is it's game six. Isles with a big road win in game five. Woo! Barzal and Nelson, two key goals in the second period. Sorokin, 34 saves. Critical game six Stupendous. the Hurricanes. Nick, take it away, my friend. Um, Man, after the first... 
three games of the series, it was looking like it was going to be over. It was, it was, it was actually like, oh, this team, they don't have the I, the problem with the Islanders, and I'll be brutally honest about this because it's easy to look at them through rose-colored glasses when you like the team and you're covering the team, is that they're not, they don't have the star power that any other team is going to have. They don't have those guys who are going to. Who are going? Who just thrive on putting the puck in the back of the net? And Bo Horvat was supposed to do that. That was supposed to be be the piece where you say, "Okay, you have your star. Now you already have good depth. Just build around that star." Bo Bo Horvat hasn't done that yet. He has. He has been frequently unremarkable since we've gotten him. So that's when you are going into the playoffs with Bo Horvat having like six goals since he got here. Um something like like a just just insane goal and assist droughts he wasn't doing anything on the ice you're really worried about this team you say if they make a playoff spot if they make it they're out in the first round and they've proved in the last two games that they're not going to do that were they carried by Ilya Sorokin yeah of course he's he's probably the only reason they're still playing in this series but there's something to like in the way that they play where when they're forechecking hard and everyone's doing their job and they're blocking pucks in front of the net, making Sorokin's life just a little bit easier, Matt Barzell can find a goal. Brock Nelson can find a goal. You can just ask Noah Dobson, who gives up the puck so much <laughs> in the defensive zone. We saw Jack Warner made a joke about that today. Um, if you haven't seen it, you got to go check it out. Great meme. It's true, they make a lot of mistakes, but if Dobson can fire one from the blue line and have Lee just tip one in, or Nelson tip one in, or Paul Mary tip one in, that's sort of all you need. And is it a good strategy to go into the playoffs relying on your goaltender? No, it's not. I'm sure the Rangers would like to rely less on their goaltender as well. But is it a strategy? Yeah, it's a strategy, and I think that's what they're going to have to do. We saw that in Winnipeg. Uh, They were just uh, eliminated to the Golden Knights just last night. Connor Hellebuck isn't gonna bury is isn't gonna bail their team out when Shifley's injured, right? Who else was injured? Uh, the entire team. The entire team. Injured. The entire Winnipeg me? Jets. That, that'll down. do it typically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you, you got to feel for the Jets too because they had a rough go of it, just getting drawn with who they got drawn with in the playoffs. One group of Jets had a superb week. The other, not so oh. much. Oh yeah, I had to bring it yeah. up. <laughs> yes, and and to answer your question specifically, uh, Nikolai Ehlers is out, and he was in my fa- he's in my fantasy team down the stretch, which really helped oh, me get no, eliminated in the James. first round. Oh, you got eliminated in the first. By, round. I lost by seven points, and in the last day or second to last day of the week, Yusei Saros had minus eight points. If I just didn't play him, I would have won. I'm sorry for your loss. Thanks for that, Predators. Appreciate yeah, that. no, I- Islanders doing good. That's that's the final verdict there. And you know what? That that's a good enough verdict for now because look at look at the look at the matchup they've been giving. Good good is good. Come on. Yeah. They've been playing good good hockey. And there's nothing I know that can sound like a joke and like I'm not taking the question seriously, but they're playing good. They're they're doing good hockey. And this is a team that if they're not doing good hockey, they have no one to bail them like to bail them out. And that's the, uh, all. Look, or, sorry, they do in Ilya. Sorokin. That's what I'm saying. Sorry, and that's, that's and that's right. and that's that should be your expectation. You should not be expecting the Islanders to be controlling, dominating games against the Carolina Hurricanes. And that's okay if you look at where these teams are at on paper right now. Right. And should you be able to play good hockey in front of your uh, rambunctious crowd in UBS Arena? Uh, yeah, you're going to get a good performance out of your goaltender too, and you're uh, you're allowed to rely on these things. This is what this is. That's a wild card playoff hockey, and the Islanders. 
it may not be the most promising formula, but you're allowed to rely on that if that's what you got. And when you look at the season that Sorokin had, and I think I'm going to bring the question up that I had. I brought this up before the show. I had a good question for my two co-hosts here today. So do you think Igor Shosturkin's season last year was better than Sorokin's season this year? I'm going to let Colin go first. Yes, for one reason. He played with a younger group than Sorokin's playing with right now. Igor, Igor had to pick up a lot more slack early. I'm not saying Sorokin hasn't done that. I'm just saying for what Igor was dealing with personnel-wise from the months of roughly October to maybe middle of February, mm-hmm. yeah, he had to pick up a lot of slack. That's not to discredit Sorokin at all because I think he's phenomenal. Well, that's the point of this question is that phenomenal versus phenomenal. Who's the best Russian it's, goalie in New York? It's, it's <laughs> Ilya Sorokin, and I'll tell you why. Um, that is an interesting question. Did Siri, Siri pick up who's Siri, the best goalie Siri in New wanted York? To answer. <laughs> That's an interesting question. Siri, let me tell you. If she can say <laughs> Igor Shosturkin, I will be very impressed. Yeah. Igor Shosturkin. <laughs> um, no, it, it's it's Ilya Sorokin because he's had to deal with a less than good team for the entire year, and he, and when you're a team that barely makes the playoffs by a point we 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 won the wild card one not having to face the bruins by a point and we were up on the third place sabers by uh 3 points and you got a gift from the pittsburgh penguins and a gift the from the there. pittsburgh penguins by 2 points um it's because of the goaltending the frankly the goaltending is why we're in the playoffs cuz if sorokin steals you enough games in a season which he did you make the playoffs so I can't say it's not Sorokin because the Rangers would still be in the playoffs without Shesterkin. I don't think they the Islanders would be Wait, in the playoffs without. This year the Rangers might be in the playoffs without Shesterkin. Last year, I would definitely not. Ooh, There's what, no they, way they were. That that's that's where the nuance comes in because last year the Rangers were probably on paper more talented, skillful than the Islanders, but were they more of effective like at winning games? What where did they come in the standings? Uh, I think they were third in the Metro. Third in the Metro? Yeah, because they... Wait, no, they might. They had home ice against Pittsburgh. So they were second. Because game, I was at game yeah. seven, yeah. Okay. They were second. Okay, I want to see what those points look like, because I could easily see the Rangers... Well, this is just a fun dialogue. Right, <laughs> making that making that playoff push last year. Mm-hmm. With Alexander Without... Gorgiev. Is that who you want to say? Yes, and, and yes. Look, and look, that's well, look exactly at, well, who I want. Look at him this year. Well, Gorgiev last year was a different story. That's true. Gorgiev had some concerning stretches last <laughs> year, to say the least. And uh, he's made, made some pretty big jumps, I think. Oh, yeah. But he's, he was a terrific backup. I, the reason I brought that question up is because not only was it a fun Islanders-Rangers you know, jab there, but because it speaks to just the way that Sorokin has been important this year. Because... We've kind of established Igor now as the class of goaltenders in the NHL, and Ilya Sorokin this season has played his way into that conversation, and that's still a big part of the New York Islanders' playoff identity. And I still think, though, the team around him has been really impressive for for, for what they've got, and to to have held on the way that they did against Carolina in Game 5, giving up the goal to make it 3-2, and then packing it in real tight for, what, six, seven minutes, really, of straight hell. And they pulled it out. And that's the, that's the type of guts that you need to take into a game six and a seven to say, like, we win tonight, take it one game at a time. But if we win tonight, we can win it again. If we hold on like this in this building, we can do it in a game seven. When elimination's on the line here, we can do it then. 
it, they have been taking every game 15 seconds at a time, and I love it. It's every shift. That's that's how you've got to take it when yeah. when when you're in that mentality. Yeah. It's every shift. It's every period. It's every chance. It's every it's every game. And, Seriously, and they're they're dumping the puck a lot. Are they playing a little bit like Barry Trotz? Zone game. Are you are are you are you playing hockey like the guy that you just fired last year? Yeah, you are. But you're in a wild card playoff series. Sometimes you got to do what you and gotta do. Uh, that's and that's the experience that the Islanders have that say like. Even after last year, the Rangers don't necessarily have, I don't think. And we talk about the Devils in experience sometimes. I don't want to beer pack into that because we just talked about it. But th- this is where all that conversation, this is where you start to see those, 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 those intangibles that you know the talking heads and media talk about and you don't really understand. It's in game, game sixes and sevens where they really start to uh, creep out a little bit more. And I think uh, we're going to see some fireworks at UBS, yeah? Oh, yeah. I definitely like where the Islanders are. I think they have a great chance to win tonight push it to a game seven i nick is doing a little bit of a happy dance over there because i'm giving the aisles the benefit of the doubt look i the, don't even give them the benefit of the doubt the hurricanes we'll over the course of the year second best points percentage in the nhl that means something because it means you're consistently in games you're consistently scoring you're stealing uh games that you probably shouldn't steal because you can find cheap ways to get the puck in the back yep. of the net and the fact that the aisles who struggled over the course of the year got in thanks to some good goaltending sorokin's been great as we discussed just hang around. You're home now, packed crowd. I know they got a passionate fan base. They're ready to go. Push to game seven, anything happens. This happened last year, too, with the Hurricanes, specifically in the first round oh, yeah. against Boston. That went seven. It had no business going Absolutely seven games. Not. I mean, the first to tell you, that should have been a four-game sweep from the Hurricanes last year. I say that unapologetically. You look at this front uh, kind of pairing for the Hurricanes, they got to be much better. I'm looking at Slavin and Burns. Yeah. I think that they have struggled mightily against Burns the has Islanders. been good in the playoffs, actually. I, he's, yeah, Bur- he's been Burns is one of those guys you always expect to turn it around this Slavin, time Slavin, though, his Sl- partner. Slavin's had, like a, had a, a, a very up-and-down right? yeah. season, yeah. too. A lot of times he got burned 1v1, especially, I think. I'm expecting better. Got Burns. Uh, I, was talking about, I was talking about Slavin, though. I was getting burned oh, yeah. 1v1. Yeah. But, yeah, Burns. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. Look at you. <laughs> See, always, always having fun Dude, here on the podcast. No, it's always, it's always coming up that, because how, I, yeah. I have to come up with episode titles. That's so that's it's, your job. It's constantly right? going. Yeah. It's constantly going. Burns, baby, burns. We got the John Sterling call in there. <laughs> I didn't have that on the bingo card for today, but no. Nonetheless, Nick, I guess you're going with Isles for Game Six. But well, how do we feel about a potential Game Seven before we touch on the Kraken and that whole situation? So. I game seven in Carolina. Carolina has some good fans. Um, but man, in that game five, it was you could hear a pin drop. It was the commentators kept saying it because it was ridiculous. They're like, Man, it's quiet in here. <laughs> and they were only down two nothing. If you're in UBS Arena and the Islanders are down two nothing, they are cheering until the la- until the last buzzer sounds. Yeah. Because anything can happen in hockey, you know that. So Am I saying they're a weak fan base? Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> bunch of jerks. No one, a bunch of jerks. Bunch, bunch of jerks. <laughs> I forgot. Oh, they are a bunch of jerks. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> Please so tell true. me. See, it's, that's getting picked up. My, Ralph, can you hear that out there? <laughs> my watch is just not having it today. Does not want. Just IFB whenever you're. <laughs> whenever you're Who needs Siri when you have Ralph? Hey, Ralph, what's the weather today? <laughs> Uh, he says it's fine. it's fine. It's fine. There we go. That All was right. faster Weather's than Siri. Good weather. 
Uh, let's talk about the rest of the NHL, though. Let's move over to Seattle. They are one win away from winning their first playoff series in franchise history, and if they do so, it will be against the Colorado Avalanche, defending champions. That one, that one shocked me. As this series has gone on, I have been continuously surprised by the Kraken's ability to compete, not because I think Seattle's a bad team. I just look at the Avalanche and what they've done and the personnel on their entire squad and go, okay, you've got the experience. Very hard to compete with a team like that. James... Is Macklemore going to be happy with this first franchise win? I'll tell you what. I have been incredibly impressed with the Seattle Kraken in ways that I'm like, they're reminding me of the Vegas Golden Knights, where I look at the roster and I see, well, the Knights, they immediately immediately figured it out. Kraken took a year, you know? But you look at the guys that they've got performing at the top level, top end in this playoffs. It's Jordan Everly, Jaden Schwartz. I'm like, these guys were second fiddle on teams for a long time. This is, these are the William Carlsons of the yeah. Seattle Kraken who, who step up and become the players that probably they had the potential and, and were capable of being. And now you look at Oliver Bjorkstrand right now and he's scoring points in the playoffs like he was leading his team in the playoffs back years ago and that was not the case. Philip Grubauer reemerging as now like a playoff real type time goalie. That was not the case before. He took Marty Jones's job back, and I think that you've probably got the more talented goaltender playing to his potential. That's good for Seattle, and that's not to say that they've got a really tough opponent in front of them. Uh, a Gabriel Landis Goglis, Colorado Avalanche, a briefly Kale McCarless, Colorado Avalanche, but that's still the Colorado Avalanche. That is exactly. the defending cup champions. They are giving the Kraken a tough go for a reason, but the Kraken have answered it. They've, they've scored the big goals. Like the, the, right. This has been the series that if you yeah. wanted the end-to-end, the chaotic playoff hockey, the overtime playoff hockey, it's been this series. And the Kraken have dealt with the punches better than the champs. Not to mention, the Avalanche still have Nathan McKinnon. This is true. That is a consummate Who? professional always on the ice. Big Mac. Big Who's Mac? Who's Nathan McKinnon? I've never heard of him in my life. <laughs> he only had uh, two points in <laughs> he's, a two-goal game. 50% of our New York audience just wondering, oh... Ooh, ooh. <laughs> that game's on late. I got to get up for work. Oh, the, I don't know what's oh, watched. Oh, the West, oh, my God. Oh, the Western Conference. <laughs> it's, it's no, because I've been trying to watch Kings Oilers because it. it's such a good series. It's it's such yeah. it's it's Leon Drysaddle and Connor McDavid versus the LA Kings, and I know that that's such an overplayed and boring story, but that's what it looks like when it's on the ice. It's absolutely absurd. So, just quick sprinkle of a promo for that series. You should watch it. It's good. They play tonight. Um, I mean, going yeah. to Game Six. I'd like to see the Kings win that series, just for the sake of hockey. hockey. Now, I, actually, the NHL wants the Oilers to win, if we're all being honest with ourselves, but I think the average hockey fan looks in and, and goes, David, Goliath, David, Go-. no, I'm going to yeah. root for David in that one 10 times out of 10. Yeah. I want to see the Kings give him a run for their money. Yeah. And if- With Kopitar, too. Yes. I want to see him go out on a high note. Brown yeah. just retired. Quick is shipped off to also, Vegas. You should know that's hard for me. To say that I want the Kings to do something good after 2014, it's very, it's very hard for me as I'm you grabbing guys, this microphone. You guys, hey, I got. Hey, I, I moved past 2012. You know, that was a big part of my life. But <laughs> I'm, I'm literally I'm the most hated it. person here. I'm from LA. I like the <laughs> Kings, and I'm an Islanders fan. This is. I, I've got. I, I've got no bad blood against either of those teams. Really, I mean, the Devils, That's Islanders, nice. divi- division rivals, but there's there's a sh- common enemy there. I call it. I call it the Mets Red Sox. Uh, uh, you know what? What did I call it? The Mets Red Sox paradox, because it uh, rhymes. Yeah. 
Um, mm-hmm, they both have it. Dude, think about it. Like Mets, Red Sox, 86 World Series, but do Mets fans and Red Sox fans hate each other? No, because no, they both hate the Yankees. Yeah. Do Devils and Islanders fans hate each other? No, they both hate the Rangers. the Rangers. And that's fun. I mean, I don't like the Devils. You don't have to like we're them. We're in the same. It's not the same thing because we're in the same division. Yeah, that's it, okay. It's not the same, but it's also because there is still a rivalry there. I don't like the Devils. I, I'm, I'm not saying not I'm not saying I like the Islanders, you. but there's a, there's a respect there. Like I'm, sure. I'm, I'm, I got no problem giving you a hug so, in that so jersey. So really, I'm the most what, yeah, hated what, person. What, yeah, you might be, man. We what, flipped. What's your take here, Normie? Uh, my take is that I like the fishermen's jerseys. <laughs> wow, that <laughs> I, was I, a hot I, one. Well, that like, look, let's be real, fire. Oh, I, absolutely. I actually liked the jersey jerseys. Personally, really? I was a fan of those. I didn't have a problem they with them. They had to grow on me. I like them. They had to grow on me. I, like I still them. think they need they need to be more red. It's too, uh, it's that'd too, be cool. They they remind me a little too much of the old Blackhawks so, Winter Classics. So you know, oh, yeah. you know what, though? They're now so that nice. Fanatics is doing it, there's a half a shot they hear Ooh. us. So maybe yeah, they right? Can, yeah. yeah. But for me, this Kraken series, just to get back to that, I yeah, really... we got off the rails. Though. Right. I enjoy going off the rails, though. Makes the pod a little fun, a right, little right, loose, yeah. funky, fresh. And speaking of off the rails, this series... This perfect with the, oh, with the Kraken yeah. off the rails. <laughs> yeah, okay. I see how you got there. Ryan Donato or Vince Dunn Vince needs Dunn. to score a big goal to cement this first franchise, uh, this first playoff win in franchise history, first playoff series win, excuse me. I think that would be poetic if one of those guys scored. Dunn had, Dunn had a bunch of shots last game. I think he had three or four shots on goal. He, they're knocking on the door. They, they got a lot of guys who could who could come on the score sheet here, you know? It's literally anyone, and that's the crazy thing about the Kraken, is actually anyone's going to score. Like, like, actually, yeah. If I was a sports better, which I'm not, because um, uh, <laughs> betting's bad for you, um... I would not bet a single thing on the Kraken because they're so unpredictable no, with yeah. who's going to score. And think about the way they entered the playoffs. They they Midway through the year, they were the number one seed in the division. They entered the year comfortably in a wild card, but on a skid. I did not expect this. Not only did I not expect them to be as good as they were in the regular season, I did not expect them to hit the ground running like this in the playoffs. And they, they, they've turned a lot of heads. This, this for me, like, obviously Oilers-Kings, that was always going to be the tightest series, I thought, because the Kings, on paper, great team, know how to win in the playoffs. Oilers, star power, but took big strides this year as a team, too. For me, Kraken Avalanche has been the most exciting series throughout the entire playoffs on, on either coast because of what the Kraken have been able to do throughout the regular season. And I, I, and I know I mentioned Jaden Schwartz, but, dude, he is so much fun to watch in front of the net. In the offensive zone, he is constantly in the corners, but he knows how to score and make plays, too. He's just one of those guys, hockey guy, doesn't get enough credit, I think. I, I just I just been really impressed with what the Kraken have been able to muster up with this collection of players. And Matty Beneers is a superstar. Yeah, he's definitely up there for Calder. Oh yeah. Um definitely will win it. Uh so then I have a question for you guys. If that was the most exciting series, what was or is the most boring series? And why is it either the Dallas Stars versus Minnesota Wild? Or the Winnipeg Jets versus the Vegas Golden Knights. I was, yeah, I have a different answer for that actually. Oh, I think the Bruins and Panthers has been a snooze fest, not because it's been unentertaining, but Boston is the Presidents Trophy winner. You're supposed to go on this magic run, or curse, or yes, or the other option is you're completely cursed and it just ends there in the and first you lose round. To the Florida but Panthers. The idea is you're supposed to take care of the Panthers and get on to the next stage. It's been the most boring from yeah. my perspective because it's dragging on. 
Like, you know, we got a game I, six. That, gonna, you're like, right. Like, that no, is I think true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been an exciting series in the sense that it's closer than we well, expected. It wasn't supposed to be. But you look at the loss that they took in game five. Right. That goal, Olmark makes a bad pass. Probably a bad decision to come and play the puck in general with one guy chasing after you. Pavel Zaka. Did they have anyone on the other side, though? Because I was thinking the whole no. thing after watching it, oh, he should just back in. It was, it was, it was, um, I don't know who put the pressure. It was Gr- Grizzlick, and I, I couldn't tell who put pressure on initially. But then it was yeah. Zaka, Kachuk comes in as the second forward, yeah. and Pavel Zaka does right. the classic. I'm not going to really back check here that the Devils are glad they got out of New Jersey. And then, and then it just, it peters out. And Hallmark actually makes a ridiculous save. On the first chance, I did see that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how he did it, which no one but cares about. No, after no, the fact, because no, it cause... fell right to Kachuk and it's in the back <laughs> right. of the net. Because there's this picture that's everywhere <laughs> online of Kachuk with what the puck on doing? his stick with a wide open net and Omar just laying there, completely yeah. given up. And oh, it's like, oh, that, that loss looks like a curse loss. Yeah, no, I agree. But they are the better team and have been playing better and deserve to go through to this point. But they haven't yet, so they've given the Panthers a foot in the door. They've looked weak, and the fact that they didn't get Bergeron back until Game Five, Krejci, oof. Without, because here's the thing: without those guys, which they missed them for extended stretches in the past, especially Krejci when he went to an entirely different country to play hockey. Yeah, you could tell it was a different team. It didn't have the same feel as '19 or the early days. So. I don't know. For me, that has been the most boring series simply because I expected so much more. I like that answer. That uh, One thing we do need to talk about, and I think it's the last thing we need to talk about, is the Leafs and mm. the Lightning. Because I I hover, I would say hover is the right verb. I hover around Leafs Twitter. I don't follow anyone, but I like hovering because they all freak out a lot and it's really funny to watch. Yeah. After last night they're freaking out and they're saying oh my god it's happening again and they all they need to do is win a game out of the next two that's all they got to do and then everything's broken you win a playoff series move on you're a Leafs fan you're happy it's the Tampa Bay Lightning though so like they they eat Stanley Cups for breakfast so I don't really know you know what was bad about that what they were home they were. I think that made it worse. I, I, I think what made it the worst is the way they won game four. Right. Down three, yeah. four goals, Ooh. very late to win it. What a comeback from Tampa, though, to come back the next game, though. Yeah, eh? 100%. And that is what you should expect of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. And for the Toronto Maple Leafs to go on Twitter and celebrate and for Biz to go on TV. <laughs> I hate and, Biz and talk so about, much. Talk to the Tampa Bay Lightning like you've just eliminated them. You have not advanced to the next round yet. You have not won this series. You have lost every first-round series for the last 23 years. Get it together. You can't do this again. I was like, before, before after that game, I was like, wow, Leafs in, Leafs in five. They might actually do this. And then I saw every Leafs fan saying Leafs in five. I'm like, no, guys. You're the ones who can't say it yet. Everyone else can say it. And they, and they curse themselves, and I'll tell you what, there was a tight game in Game 5. It was a game that the Leafs probably could have won it had a couple bounces gone their way. But the Lightning, that's the character you should expect from them. Not That's not that's not craziness. That's three times in a row cup finalists, two of which they were champions. That's the team you expect to get punched yeah. back in Game 5. Like Colin, the Leafs have shot themselves in the foot. Like, what do you think that they're like... 
everyone in that locker room is thinking them themselves after all of that. They're like, oh my god, I better not lose the yes, next game. So hundred percent. While Tampa's like, they let's let's go win a game. Toronto's like, we better not lose. And if Toronto hadn't put all that pressure on themselves for Game Five, thinking the series was done and dusted, this is not the shit they yeah. would be sitting in right now. I'm gonna use a cross sport example. Okay. Do you remember Daniel Murphy's run for the Mets? Wow. That's what this feels like. (laughs) This feels Daniel Murphy-esque. All these brilliant things happening. They're going to get out of the first round. And then, oh no. Dude. The the carriage turns back into a pumpkin. Cinderella's (laughs) back to being a peasant. And the wheels come off the freaking bus. That's what this reminds me of right now. Yeah. But who's going to hit six home runs in seven games? (laughs) Certainly not Yoannis Cespedes now. Oh, no. That's a great way to segue to which which series I think has been the most boring. And I'll go with Vegas just because I feel like Winnipeg did not have a chance and that kind of made it sad. Um yeah. not, not not so much sad. They but played hard too. They played really, really hard hockey and they were they were just outmatched. When you got what they had Morrissey, Shifley, and Ehlers all injured for all five games, they had other injuries for the first through for the through the first three, and they were kind of coming in with the Islanders mentality that like we'll play hard. Maybe our goaltender will steal a few games, and if we can get the goal-scoring guys to get get grooving, then we can move. But I, I don't think the Jets ever got that, and I think it was a pretty clean series for Vegas to go through. Still early in the playoff season. I'll take you through the next two days of action tonight. Out on the island, Hurricanes and Islanders at 7 o'clock. Hey, hey. That game on TBS. The nightcap, the other notable we did talk about, Avalanche Kraken in Seattle. That one, 10 o'clock start on TNT. Saturday, another great game, 8 o'clock at the Garden, Devils-Rangers, followed, well not followed by before actually, Maple Leafs-Lightning at 7 o'clock on TBS, Devs-Rangers, that one on ESPN, Oilers-Kings as well, Saturday night, 10 p.m. on TBS. Guys, it has been a treat as always to be on 5 on 3. Remember, guys, we did it. To check us out your Apple Podcast app, Spotify, WFUV.org, or wherever you get your podcast. For James Burley and Nick Palmer, I'm Colin Lochran saying so long. Enjoy the playoffs, everyone.